Welcome to Have the Edge podcast for business leaders and entrepreneurs. Every week we share content to add value to you and your business. Today we will discuss a topic that you do not want to miss. Your hosts today are experienced coaches, speakers and trainers from Have the Edge. Please check out business services we offer by visiting www.havetheedge.org. Are you an entrepreneur? Visit our website to subscribe to Entrepreneur Space. Hi, everyone. Hi, Desiree. Hi, Rick. Hi, Alejandro. And hi, and welcome to our viewers and our listeners to our Have the Edge Life. And today's topic is innovating through crisis. And I think that's a very, very interesting topic because a lot of the companies during the crisis, particularly the latest one that we had, they're trying to weather the storm. But did you know that the companies that actually innovate during crisis, they outperform the companies that do not by 17% in the long run, which is quite interesting. And that's what we are going to delve deeper into in today's discussion. So on that note, I would like to give it over to Alejandro. Alejandro, so can you discuss that? Uh, how do you implement the lasting change? How do you innovate through the crisis? Well, thank you very much, everyone. It's great to be with all of you once again. Uh, you know, I mean, huge change in any organization, whether it's a small or medium or big uh, business or group, cannot exclusively rely on inspiring words alone. You know, I always said words have power and words are important. But when you want to bring about innovation and change and lasting change, words alone cannot do it. It requires the complete engagement of the entire organization in reinventing the approach to the innovation that you want to bring about. And, um, and in order to move up talent into prominent positions uh, to help develop the solutions that will sustain the organization in the future, in the near future or in, in the long future. Now, working with talent managers and leaders should create high-performing teams where diversity and inclusiveness, which, by the way, are two critical components of some of the most innovative cultures, are celebrated. Now, creating such a team, uh, a high-performing team, starts with the right mix of mindsets. And I want everyone to pay attention to this because it's very crucial, it's critical. You need, in that team, you need both. You need dreamers and you need doers. Dreamers and doers. Now, this action-oriented group will play a critical role from design right through execution. And its success needs to be measured and celebrated based on clear and transparent targets. Uh, a core team, uh, members should first and foremost exhibit a how might we kind of a mindset combined with a track record of boldly hacking problems and being comfortable with accountability for outcomes. They should possess a problem-solving acumen, be able to identify and challenge assumptions, 
and rapidly generate solutions for testing and iteration. They should also be curious learners who decisively codify success and failures and quickly develop the next experiment or iteration. That is the way that companies are going to go through a crisis, go through a, a, a time of a change and producing that change and having that change last uh, for, their, for their future. So that's the way. So creating those high-performing teams is something that it is at the root level uh, crucial and very important for any company or any group to keep moving forward. Thank you, Alejandro. So you delved quite deep into the subject because what you really focused on is the how. Uh, once they do decide to innovate, how to make sure that they follow through with the ideas So having dreamers as well as doers, which is uh, uh, given, given your background and the fact that you work with maximizing the performance of teams, I can see why you are drawn to, to discuss that, that specific of the how to actually do it. Yeah. I would like to focus a little bit on the benefits of doing it because the research says that companies who rather than just trying to stay adrift they actually try to adapt to the new conditions and innovate. They create new product lines. Um, they, they create businesses and start new ideas and projects just to adapt to the circumstances rather than trying to withstand the change and hold on to what they already have. Because like I said earlier in the introduction, the companies who innovate, they outperform the companies who do not by 17%. And I'll give you an interesting example. So during the SARS crisis in 2002, Asia actually became an epicenter of innovation with e-commerce as well as online payments because they innovated during the crisis. And that is a great example of, of how it happened historically in the past. And there are many more examples. All you have to do is Google it. But Rick, what are your thoughts on this, on innovating through crisis? Because we have discussed this previously in another session where we talked about looking for opportunities. And that was when we were still during the, the heat of the pandemic and we were all in the lockdown. So we kind of touched on that subject already. How are your thoughts today? How have they changed or not, perhaps? Thank you for that. And it's great to be here with all you guys. Um, I, I don't think my thoughts have changed much in this regard, uh, but this is a very curious topic about innovation. And to me, innovation only happens, uh, how should I say, in, in the right atmosphere, in the right climate, which is completely controlled by leadership. So we, Alejandro talked about the innovation and he talked about mindset and he talked about uh, 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 getting people on board with all that stuff. And really that is a function of how leadership allows that to happen. Uh, people have to be free to fail. The innovation happens because you try something and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If the organization is not very tolerant to risk, then innovation probably goes out the window. The other thing I would say is uh, when it comes to change, we have to realize that, that people have a stake in the status quo. And it's what I'm learning is it's not so much that they are afraid of change. In some sense, they are. But the reason they're afraid of change is because they lose control. They're used to having things the way they are, and they feel like they're in control. 
And if things are changing, there's a loss of control. And if we're going to innovate and not take the time to understand what people's stake is and how it affects them and massage them through that, then there's going to be resistance the whole way. Yes, I agree with you on this one, Rick, definitely. And Desiree, let's talk a little bit about the future. So what happens after the crisis um, for the companies that innovate and perhaps the companies that do not? Do you have any tips? Do you have any thoughts that you would like to share with us? Well, sure. Thank you, Anna. Uh, the thing is, innovating during a crisis has many uh, constraints. Uh, companies do not have the luxury of time and research and trial and error. They should uh, drift quickly in order to sur survive their business and keep their share of the market. Yeah. So uh, we have two uh, widgets for that. We have the uh, innovator, the entrepreneurship, the small businesses that are not uh, tied to many procedures and organization structure. They have the freedom to innovate. They have a quick shift uh, because they are new companies. They look to the future and they mostly success them uh, more than the big structure organization who are tied to their past, their histories, uh, their financial studies, financial income, uh, so that's where the innovation under crisis uh, put us at risk, the risk of not having the time to test everything, to have precision of the outcome. So during this crisis, we have to move on quickly. We have to use speed over precision uh, to keep our market share and to respond the most to what uh, our clients and future clients need. And what the uh, outcome we can uh, have will definitely be out for the future. Many, many uh, new technologies that we are using nowadays have just uh, arisen out of previous crisis, needless to, to, to say. Uh, so the future, of work will be uh, starting today when we have to assess our challenges, the constraints we have, the new market, we have to think differently. We don't have to be stuck in our structure, old ideas. Uh, globalization is all over the world. Like you said, e-commerce, uh, there's no limits. There's no boundaries between uh, countries, between cultures. So you have to have an open mindset and think about the future as of today. What happened in the future starts now. And especially we have new generation coming up. We have to include them in any of our innovating projects because they are the future of the world. We don't have to just rely on our experience and uh, previous success and just uh, build on them. The future is for innovation and we have to be open to every proposal because many many startups when they reach a huge success the big companies just acquire them but the big companies will never think of this innovative project by themselves so the best way to sustain the future for big organization 
is to embrace the culture of startups so they can guarantee their market share in the future. That's very insightful, Desiree. Thank you for sharing this. And definitely good insight with the future generations and, and their involvement. Uh, a very good example I'll, I'll give based on what Desiree just said. During the Spanish flu in 1918, they've invented Pixie Cup. And that really relates to what Desiree said about speed versus precision. And what do we see during this crisis happening in front of our eyes? Our whole restaurant industry was completely reinvented. We go, we have to scan QR codes to get in. We have to sanitize our hands. Uh, our menus are now all online. So again, there is that, that digital innovation push, just like uh, they had in Asia in, in 2002 during the SARS epidemic. So very good example. What other tips would you give when it comes to trying to innovate rather than weather the storm so that the companies can progress during the crisis? What, what other tips can you give from the top of your head based on the conversation and the chat we've already had? You, you know one thing, Anna, before we get into that, which is a, a very great, a great question, um, I, I like to... Um, uh, make a comment on what Desiree uh, stated, because I think that that is very, very important. And she said, what happens in the future begins now. You see, in the minds of some people, what happens in the future um, begins in the future. No, 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 no. It doesn't begin in the mm -hmm. future. It begins right now. And that brought to my uh, mind, to my awareness, um, uh, a quote or a statement, I think is a, is, is a, either a Chinese or, or, or a Japanese quote. It says, what is the best time to plant a tree? Well, the best time was 20 years ago, <laughs> uh, and, but that is already gone. What is the second best time to plant a tree is today. Not even today, is right now. Just get, get the tree, get the shovel and plant it right now. Because the more that you wait, the, 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 the um, not so many chances that companies are going to have to innovate. So if, if you want to get into that in innovation mindset, the time is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And somebody mentioned, I don't remember who actually mentioned that about the fear of change and the fear of failure in the culture of organization that definitely stifles the innovation. And um, the only thing that you have uh, to think about is, is Edison and the light bulb. <laughs> if he gave up after the first 100 tries, we would probably not have a light bulb today. So that's a great example of allowing that failure because through failure, you learn what works and what doesn't. It's like digging for gold. Just because you haven't found the gold digging in one area, you know not to go there again. So you still learn something from it. So definitely I would say that encouraging the culture that is accepting and encouraging of failure. And I probably said this before, but I will say it again. Fail stands for first attempt in learning. And it's worth remembering. Like so I couldn't agree, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Now, aside from that, any other tips you have in relation to everything that we talked about? And remember, uh, the focus of our discussion today is innovating through crisis. Anybody wants to jump in with their thoughts? With their yes, tips? I would just like to add that uh, 
innovation comes from young people. And when you need to hire employees, just don't have to always to look for senior employees. You have to give the chance to new employees to be uh, enrolled in your company. And uh, maybe you should have to consider creating an innovation department uh, full of young people that will try everything that come into their heads. And like you said, Anna, after 100 trial, maybe they will succeed and it will be a huge profit to the company. And uh, also it's very important to have a crisis committee in our organization that could uh, just uh, be ready for any crisis that happens because everyone when the COVID started, everyone was thinking that it will be a couple of months and when the winter will be over, the COVID will be over. And it has been more than 18 months almost that we have been struggling with the COVID. So it's, uh, it's um, a long time crisis for that uh, all the companies need to adapt. In that respect, having a crisis committee always present and ready for such is really important nowadays in the structure of the organizations. Mm, yes. how, how about yes good that's a good idea and um sorry Alejandra I think I have one of us interrupted one another I'm not sure which no, one it is, but I'll that, take the blame no that, that, <laughs> no, that that's okay Anna but um uh, how about I mean if corporations would have uh perhaps based on what Desiree said um an innovation laboratory and that innovation laboratory would be filled with uh, first and second graders because those kids, they don't have any limitations whatsoever. So their minds are open to any kind of innovation possible. I mean, that would be great. However, and unfortunately, uh, corporations would never even dare to do that <laughs> because, because they would be afraid of what the consequences could be. But that could be something that it's, I mean, if you have young kids that, that do not have any limits yet in, in their minds, in their mindsets, in their perspectives, then anything is possible for them. As you grow to become an adult, then you begin to have those limitations and limiting beliefs that says, oh, no, that's too hard or that's impossible to do or that. Kids don't have that mentality. Interesting idea, Alejandro. Now, coming back to reality, and we shared the, I've shared some examples of, of uh, real life examples from crises before in the companies that innovated. I would like to share some examples from my personal experience over the last few months. I was very lucky to work with businesses that innovated through crisis. And I facilitated the innovation through brainstorming meetings, as well as through Disney creativity strategy, which is one of the NLP processes. And it's similar to what Alejandro said here with, with having a dreamer squad, if you like, 
you know, where there is no limitations and there are different stages of being a dreamer, be, being a critic, um, et cetera, et cetera. That is part of Disney creativity strategy. And I was lucky enough, even during the crisis, to use that with the, with the businesses to come up with a new product ideas, digital product ideas, by the way, in both cases. So brainstorming and Disney creativity is, is, is a great facilitation tool but to do that to have coaching brainstorming meeting for new products or to use disney creativity strategy you really do need a facilitator so if you are thinking about innovating during the crisis a good idea would be to get in touch with us to see how we can help you facilitate this going forward and all you have to do is drop us an email at info at have the edge Org. Now, the closing tips and comments before we round this up. So, Rick, anything to add to the discussion that we had? Yes, I was going to say no, but no, actually, yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I was thinking as Desiree was talking about it, and Alejandro referred to it, and you as well, about uh, innovating and having committees to innovate. And it occurred to me, the military does this all the time. They run war games. They mm -hmm. consider what what's the likelihood that something, whatever it is, could happen? And if it does, what will we do in response? Companies do that all the time as well. There's a, it's, it's a bit of an old example now, but it worked out really well during uh, the Tylenol scare. Some of you are probably too young to remember. This is like in the late, late 80s, where Tylenol, some Tylenol tablets were laced with, uh, with poison. And like seven or eight people died in the U.S. died from, from uh, poisonous uh, Tylenol. Somebody had gotten in and sabotaged some, and Tylenol had already thought, uh, uh, McNeil, I think, is the company that, that makes it, had already considered long ago, what would we do if this happens to us? So they were able to put their plan into action right away. Within days, they had every single bottle of Tylenol off every grocery and pharmacy shelf in the country. And they were able to understand what the issue was, go fix it, and, and replace it with good, clean uh, capsules that nobody had to worry about anymore. Also uh, invented a new form of tamper-proofing on these bottles. So that's an example of a company that was very successful because they had thought about the what-if question and put it in action. Amazing example. And you know, you talking about this, you just reminded me of the, and I'm not a US citizen, but uh, from watching the news and documentaries without getting political, <laughs> I just want to use it as an example. But during the Obama presidency, he created a program to manage the crisis such as COVID. And he predicted, there is a video footage of him predicting that that's going to happen one day. And he put a great plan together and he's had special forces actually in China because that's where ours came from. So, so to investigate the local uh, mutant uh, viruses, particularly the ones that came from the bats and the wildlife. And because everything was so dandy and the government change obviously happened, that was then a cut in terms of the budget. So a lot of the plans were cut, 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 cut. So when the crisis did hit, the plan was not there anymore. It was just whatever was left over after the cuts. And that's a great example of, of having something in place, uh, which is like there's a research, you know, crisis management committee, if you like. Obviously, that's on a much larger scale, on governmental scale. But nevertheless, it's an example. And haven't they haven't cut the funding in that particular area, who knows how much better they would have managed the crisis. 
we will never know. But I think it's 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 a great example of what Desiree proposed, you know, the businesses should have as well. Thank you, Rick. And Alejandro, any final thoughts? Uh, well, my final thoughts are this. Um, uh, for the past maybe year now, we have been, the whole world have been suffering of this uh, crisis, this pandemic that uh, uh, literally affected every individual living today. Um, now, uh, having said that, um, I truly believe that this is not the last crisis that the world is going to see. Uh, there is one, there is at least one more crisis that is coming. Now, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what that crisis is going to be. I don't know when it's going to show up, but I know that that crisis is coming, is on its way. So a crisis um, can destroy people and destroy organizations or cripple organizations. Or on the other hand, crisis can be the vehicle for organizations to reinvent themselves and to come out, out on the other side of the crisis, much more creative, stronger, and with an even greater determination to make an impact. So I am putting this call of action to any leaders and any organizations that would see this video and say, what are you going to do when the next crisis hit us? Are you going to be under with it or are you going to ride the wave and get better and conquer the crisis and succeed on the other side? Absolutely. And when you were, when you were, when, when you were saying this, the only company that was popping into my head was BrewDog. BrewDog is um, a distillery. And when the crisis hit, what did they do? They started producing hand sanitizer. Brilliant. <laughs> they probably made more money than they ever did doing that and innovating <laughs> during the crisis and adapting. Thank you so much, my lovely panel, for joining me today to discuss our topic of innovating through crisis. I think we've shared some valuable tips, shared some valuable examples, and we're also here to help you with the process when you are ready. And all you have to do is email us at info at havetheedge.org. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Have The Edge podcast. Please leave us a rating and a review. Visit our website at www.havetheedge.org to explore our business and entrepreneurial services. If you have any queries, please email info at havetheedge.org and to keep up to date, please follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram.